0: Welcome to Sunday Morning at Faith Assembly featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you've joined us. Well, it's been said that people only change when there are no options left. Now, you, you can maybe relate with that. Have you ever heard the saying that you can't change someone? Have you ever heard that? Like maybe agree with me overall? And I, I think that some of us are still hopeful that we might be able to change uh, our, our people around us. For instance, for all my husbands out there who are still in their five first years of uh, marriage, we have a meme up here It says, Marriage is simple. Your wife does ever wh- whatever she wants, and you do whatever she wants. All right? So there we go, right? Spouses. Or number two, maybe you have a co-worker who just always seems too complaint, and you wish they would change. This is the face you make, my face when a coworker complains having to do their job, right? Have you been there before where you have some of those individuals who complain? Or then we have this one, and this is a, our Steve Harvey right here, when those political memes are funny, but then you remember this is the state of our country, now, remember, if you've ever, are you familiar with memes there? Whenever we kind of come across this picture and someone captions something funny, and then you sit there and you're like, man, this is really what that person is saying in the political realm, and your heart breaks. This is the state of our country. Well, today, I want to talk to you about this. You cannot change someone, but we have hope. We know someone who. Can. can I get an amen? His name is God. Now this brings me to this morning's big idea. You can become a true change agent in the lives of others the moment you speak freely about how God has changed you. Now, we're going to be looking at the story of Acts chapter 17. Now, many scholars and believers believe this man by the name of Apostle Paul, he's in the city of Athens. And Athens isn't really recorded other than in Acts 17. And so, some people look at the Apostle Paul's ministry as a failure, But let me tell you something, because he spoke freely about what God's done in his life, it wasn't a failure. So before we move any further, let's get some fundamentals under our belt. The first one is this, when it comes to change, we cannot change someone. You and I do not have the power to change someone. Turn to your neighbor and say, I can't change you. Come on, say it like this is the 815 service, I can't change you. But I hope God can. No, don't say that part, don't say that part. No, there we go. So, hey, when it comes to this, if you, I love what Woodrow Wilson said. If you want to make enemies, try to change something or someone. It's not in our power to change people. In fact, real change comes from 2 Corinthians 5.17. The Apostle Paul is highlighting this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, Christ is. Change. We are made new when we are in Christ. The new creation has come and the old has gone. The new is here. So let's get on the same page of fundamentally. If you want people to change around you, let's hope that God's moving in their life or let's hope they're seeing that move. Which leads me to fundamental number two is this. We have to live out the change we want to see. As the great philosopher and king of pop once said, If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and make that change. You know, I'm talking about Michael Jackson right there. Now, I can't sing, but there we go. But Luke 6, 46, for all my King James Version lovers out there, it says this, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things in which I say? In other words, Jesus is talking to a crowd of people saying, you're calling me Lord, but you're not living out the what I'm teaching you. Now, for instance, it's been this. I I love this saying. I picked up this quote at one point. It says this, for some of us in this place, you are the only Bible that someone will read. Capture that. The way you live out, the way way you're uh, living your life, leading your life, you are the only Bible someone will read. I think as believers and followers of Christ, we all have to take that to heart. So no matter where you're at, if you're joining us online, we want to say welcome. We want to say thank you. And if you're in this place, I want to encourage you. You can lead with change by being a change agent, not focusing on how other people can change. That leaves me this morning's hang up when it comes to this. See, we want to tell others how to change over being used by God, to help someone change. I call this the megaphone Christianity clause, right? Like we want to take up that imaginary megaphone and we want to yell and we want to speak and we want to declare and we want to preach how someone should change and how and tell them how they need to change. Can you imagine Jesus, right? If Jesus showed up with uh, his disciples and spoke a 30-minute message just on Sundays, and said, hey, this is how you need to change it, and expect these men, these 12 apostles to go and start this radical movement, I don't think it would have been very effective. Jesus came down, he lived life with those individuals, with those disciples. He called them from what they were doing to something new. I think a lot of times we get, get on social media and we, we declare our thoughts, we, we type our thoughts, and we want people to hear and understand and then change. God's approach, send his one and only Son to come alongside us, be used by him, and, and, and walk and live life together. So, today we're going to be talking about this man by the name of the Apostle Paul, but I want to show you this map so you can get some context to where we're at. Because it's important. Anytime we look at the Word of God, we have to understand the big 30,000 foot view of how this fits into the Christ narrative. So we have the Apostle Paul. We're picking up here in Acts seventeen and 16 and 17, and right now he is in Thessalonica, or that's where we're coming from. Thessalonica. Now, this is a great metropolis, booming area, about 200,000 people. The Apostle Paul in Acts 16, he gets this vision. I, by this man, basically, he's sleeping, and, and then someone's telling him, hey, you need to go to, in other words, Eastern Europe. And this is when Paul brings the message of God to two and the resurrection of God to Europe. And so he goes to Thessalonica because they have a great uh, devout Jewish population. So the plan was always go to the Jews and then the Gentiles. So Paul shows up and he's at Thessalonica and he's speaking to these uh, religious leaders, these Jewish individuals, and they are not liking it. They're frustrated, they're mad, and they drive them out of town. Riots are incited. In fact, who Paul was staying with in Acts chapter 16, his name's Jason, or earlier in Acts chapter 17, excuse me, his name's Jason, he actually gets arrested and has to post bond. So then Paul goes from Thessalonica to the city of Berea. Now Berea, the Jews are known as noble Jews, meaning both parties, whenever they heard something that was maybe questionable in the scriptures, in the Torah, they would come to the table and, they, and, and Paul would talk to them about his new approach, in other, in other words, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then these Jewish men who are nobles would say, okay, well, let us test that for ourselves. Let us comb through scriptures and see how we line up with you. So in, in other words, they were very uh, uh, noble. They were very hospitable. They were nice. They understood. They didn't want to kill Paul. But then we hear. But then the Thessalonica Jews they hear what has happened in Berea, and so Paul then has to escape overnight, and he leaves his close companions Timothy and Silas, and he escapes to the city of Athens, and that's where we find our story, uh, the narrative. So Paul he goes to Athens, and he is teaching in the synagogues, and people are liking what he what he's saying. So then after they go to. After he speaks in the synagogues, he gets invited to this place called Mars Hill or the Aeropagus. And in other words, where the council would meet, where the wise scholars would come together, where the intellectual minds would come together. And so Paul begins to speak His message, and we can even see that's the look, that's the Acropolis, the high focal point in Athens. And this is where Paul would have done his teaching amongst the city, amongst the philosophers, these individuals. See, Athens is known to have this university, this open-mindedness there in their city, in their culture. So when they hear Paul speak, they invite him. We want to hear more. And Paul's message is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But you can't speak about the resurrection of Jesus Christ without acknowledging the death of what Jesus did and the suffering of what Jesus did. So then we go. So here we go, Acts 17, verse 22 and 34. This is where we're picking up our story. That that Mars Hill, where you just saw, is where Paul is at. So Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in every way. For I was walking along and saw your many shrines. And one of your altars had this inscription on it. To an unknown God, this God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm telling you about. He is the God that made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in a man-made temples and human hands can't serve his needs for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything and he is satisfying every need. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise, when they should rise, and he determined their boundaries." His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and exist, as some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times, but now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. This is this radical resurrection message that Paul would speak at every place. And then 31, he says, for he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed and he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. This is radical for this culture. When they heard Paul speak about the resurrection of the dead, some laughed in contempt, but others said, we want to hear more about this later now this is this is big for us right here this is where we get the title of our message tell me more paul didn't win over the whole group that was listening but he won over a few that's big that ended paul's discussion with him so as soon as he starts talking about the resurrection the death people are like whoa you're crazy man get out of here let's usher him out of mars hill But some joined him and became believers. Among them were Dionysius, a member of the council, an influential, prominent figure, a woman named Damaris, and others with him. Before we go any further, let's go ahead and pray for the reading of God's word this morning. If you'll bow your heads and close your eyes. God, we give you this time. We pray that this word, that the message, whatever we uh, uh, look at today, that you move in our lives, and our hearts, and our minds, and may we leave here better than the way we came in. And God, right now, we just continue to worship you and praise you through the learning of your word. In your great name, amen. So here we go. Leading change in the lives of others means we, want acknowledge their value and values. So Paul, right now, he's standing before this group. He's, he's engaged with them. Now, it's small up here, but it's in your notes. You can follow along. So Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follow. He says, men of Athens... Now, this is huge. This little nugget of scripture is big because whenever he is talking to these group of people, he could have said, Hey, listen, guys, come here. Let me talk to you. But see, he was a Greek speaking Jew. So, what that means is he approached them with respect and understanding of their position. The first thing Paul did when he tried to communicate a message was bring value to that person, right? The greatest commandments were given, love God, love people. I think many times we want to be heard, but we, we don't acknowledge and we don't value. We don't recognize that one. Paul brought value. And whenever I think of a time and a place where I wish individuals would have respected and brought value is this picture. President Donald Trump, Vice President Joe Biden, Chris Wallace, and our first presidential debate. I don't know about you, but I think a lot of us cringe during this debate. I think I read one stat, President Donald Trump interrupted Vice President Joe Biden 146 times. Meanwhile, Vice President Joe Biden did his fair share of interrupting and said, shut up man and clown. And so, it like, your, your heart cringes, and you're like, guys, if you would just listen, if you're trying to sway people back and right, first, you've got to bring value to their life. Secondly, Paul is saying this, he, he goes this, and I, he continues, I notice that you are very religious in every way. Now, in Acts chapter 17, verse 16, Paul, when he's in Athens, he's waiting for his companions, Timothy and Silas. While he's waiting there, he's walking along the city, he's looking at these idols. The Athenians had this great expression of religious, of religion value. So they, they, if you could argue a good argument for a god, they would probably say, okay, you can resurrect an idol of him right here, you can, or erect an idol of him right here. So Paul is walking along the city as he's waiting for his friends and his companions, and it says in Acts 17, 16, that his spirit is distressed, It's turned upside down. He's frustrated. See, he was a devout Jew growing up. Like he was a part of the first stoning of the of the Christian martyr Stephen. And so, whenever idolatry got in the mix, Paul's heart broke. But you know what Paul does? He doesn't say, "Hey, what you're doing? These idols that are found in your city, they're wrong. I don't like them. You have it all backwards." Paul doesn't say that. He recognizes that they're religious. He comes from an angle subtly saying, hey, you know what, I, I see that you are, are, are pulled a certain way and I want to continue to talk about that. I don't want to condemn you for that. I want to talk to you about that. So he goes, I notice that you are very religious in every way. He's recognizing what they value. If you want to break through, if you want to lead change in lives, of, if you want God to work through you in your communities, in your schools, at your job, whatever case that might be, you got to recognize that God's going to work through you, but you got to recognize where people are at. For I was walking along, I saw your many shrines. You could have saw, I saw your terrible idols, but he doesn't and one of your altars had this inscription on it, to the unknown God. Now, I believe in our theology, and we're not going to take time right now to really dive in, but I believe God's planted a seed in each, every one of us. I think even Psalms backs this up. In 19, verse 1 through 4, it says this, the heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display His craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make Him known. They speak without a sound or a word. Their voice is never heard, yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. When I think of guys who added value, when I think of guys who recognized a need just as the Apostle Paul, when they recognize there's a bigger picture, I think of these guys from Yes Prep Public Schools in Houston, Texas. Chris Barbic and Donald Commence, they founded Yes Prep Network, this, this uh, charter school affiliation. They uh, were watching one day, an ESPN National Signing Day. Uh, I, I, always, I always like to highlight that a little bit because I know Florida State and uh, the Florida Gators, they didn't get anybody from the top five, you know, blue chip collar athletes, right? Like, you know, when it comes to sports, Whew, yesterday, rough. But anyways, these guys, they're sitting there, they're watching the National Signing Day of high school best football athletes signing for their college, okay? So it comes on this, best senior athletes. Well, they're sitting there having pizza. They just got done working 14 hours a day and they, they see this uh, ESPN come up and, and they're seeing these guys make their, sign their letter of intent, put their hat on and declare where they're gonna go to school. And these guys go, man, it's a, it's a shame that we have all this public uh, uh, affirmation, recognition for the athletics, but we do nothing for academics. So then they adopted this program called Senior Signing Day. So in senior signing day, what they were doing, they were primarily in low-income areas. They would have their seniors that would graduate at the top, or they would have their seniors graduating that that year, come up to a stage in a room like this, and declare where they were going to sign and go to school the next year. Now some of us might be thinking it's not a big deal, a lot of us uh, go to college Maybe athletics, maybe academics, whatever the case might be. But what was significant is most of these students never even graduated high school. Or or most of their families never graduated high school. So then when it came to YES Prep, the first year they did it, they had 17 graduating seniors. 450 people came from the community. By 2010, they had over 5,000 some people attend, over 126 graduating seniors Declare where they're going to go to school. And this is monumental because 90% of those students in 2010 were the first people to ever go to college and graduate high school. Huge, phenomenal, look it up. They acknowledge value and what someone else valued. Paul, he understood that, he does that. When we continue, we see this. leading change in the lives of others is this. We too generate curiosity about the only hope. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. So he's the divine creator. Since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples. He is bigger than anything we can create. And human hands can't serve him for his need, for he has no needs. He is self-sufficient, independent, He himself gives life and breath to everything and he satisfies every need. From one man, he created all nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall and he determined their boundaries. See, this is huge right here because Paul's generating this curiosity. When we talk about this unknown God that Paul's referring to, It was thought about in Athenian culture that it was the least important, the least powerful God out of all that they had. But Paul's saying, no, 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 hold the phone, stop. I want to talk to you about the divine creator, the biggest, the most majestic being that we can't even really comprehend. And I'll bring curiosity to that. He even highlights this in Ephesians 4. He says this, one God and father of all who is over all, through all, and in all. See these Athenian people they were worshiping these idols such as Zeus. They were worshiping in the Acropolis. They had idols holding up their buildings. They had this understanding that idols were pivotal. But God but but Paul's saying, No, it's not about the idol, it's about God. It's about the resurrection. Petronius, he says this, it's easier to find a God in Athens than it was for a man. Can you imagine what Paul is doing? He's speaking to a crowd that's basically saying, what are you talking about? You're talking about the resurrection and death of Christ He, you have to, like, the the Mars Hill, he has the Acropolis, he has idols behind him, 30,000 idols are in the city. He's on the footstep of enemy territory, a hostile, a hard ground, and Paul continues to lead change. I love what John says, this John 3, 17 says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. John's saying right here, Paul applies it. Paul didn't come, get this, church, get this. If you're joining us online, get this. Paul didn't come to condemn culture. He came to create a curiosity about Christ. Whenever we come to condemn culture, no one wants to hear your do's, your don'ts. Nope, don't want to listen to that. Nope, yes. Anytime Paul writes, you're like, well, Pastor Blake, Paul writes in his letters, two-thirds of the New Testament. He's addressing church people. He understood what do sinners do? Sinners sin. You don't condemn the sinner for not knowing what they don't know. You create a curiosity about a loving, a big, a majestic God who had a son that died and then rose again. This is big for us. Leading change in the lives of others means we keep it about the Jesus story. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel the way toward him, find him through, though he is not far away from any one of us. These are my sons, Bodie and Briar. Uh, Bodie's four, Briar, he's almost three in about 13 days, if I did the math correctly. Uh, And uh, whenever we go back to verse 27, I always think about this, though he is not far from any one of us. We'll play this game of hide and seek with my boys and we live in a small place and so we'll do some of the classic. If you're a parent and pandemic, you can relate with me right now. You can understand that sometimes you gotta pull out all the stops. So I'll take the blanket, I'll throw it over myself and I'll lay on the couch and let my boys come and find me. And they really struggle at times to come and find me to a point where I have to yell and say things and they'll keep walking by me in the living room. And I'll be sweating. I mean, it's Florida, so you're like, and I got this like, big comforter over me. Guys, Bodie! And they're like, Dad, where's Dad? Where's Dad? And I get frustrated. I'm like, guys, I'm right here. All you have to do is just look a little bit. I think sometimes that's very much our perspective when it comes to what God has done in our lives. He's saying, I'm right here. And yet we keep looking. God, like I hear you. Where are you? Paul's saying, though he's not far from any one of us, each generation we have an opportunity. Well, hey, Pastor Blake, you don't know this generation, man. It's bad. I'm like, yeah, it's bad. But you know what was even worse? The Athenian generation. So much so that they don't even think Paul had a church there. Only a few people responded to his message. People were hard-hearted. People didn't want to listen to what Paul was saying. Only a couple responded. Many scholars believe that he failed. But he keeps it about the Jesus story. He speaks about the death and resurrection. And from him we live and move and exist, as some of your own poets have said. He's even so in tune. Some people think that this is the most uh, profound message, message, uh, uh, speech Paul's ever given. He quotes these, uh, their, their own people saying, we are his offspring. Like you, he's saying, you know this, this, this thing that's missing in your life. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times. But now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. For he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed. And he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. Now this is unique. See, the Athenian people, they thought they came from a special soil. Paul's saying, your origin is from one divine creator. He's he's pressing in to culture. John 12, 46, he says, I have come into the world as light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Paul's keeping it about bringing light into a dark world. He's doing that in the city of Athens, in a hostile environment. Leading change in the lives of others as we get ready to close is this. Celebrate the bright spots. Many times when we think about this idea of change, we think we have to have things that are tangible. We think that we have to certain measuring sticks, moments that, oh, they didn't change because that didn't work for me. Did you know, I mentioned this last point, that Paul is considered failing in Athens in fact, many people believe because Paul is driven out of Thessalonica, is driven out of Berea, that he shouldn't have ever been in Athens, but he had to catch a boat overnight and sail to the city of Athens. Athens wasn't on the map, but he makes it a part of the story and he does what he does best. And he speaks about the resurrection and death of Christ, saying that there's this one true Savior. I think a lot of times, it, it, when, whenever we hear something that is, oh man, like, like we, we can think of every negative word that said, think of some of the harshest words I ever said to you, they stick in your mind like daggers. But then when you start thinking about some of the most positive times in your life, like it's kind of vague memories, professional athletes, they can remember horrendous losses over they can over remember the best wins in their life. So I think this is vital in Scripture when we see this because Paul celebrates the bright spots. He doesn't say, I didn't get to start a church. In fact, Thessalonians, the harsh environment he came from, there's a church. We see that in First and 2 Thessalonians, a church there is established. But he celebrates the bright spots, a place where he may have failed, but he did not fail because Dionysius, a member of the council and Damaris, they went with him. They left and went out and listened to him. Many times, if you're in this place, I want to encourage you, celebrate the bright spots in your life. Whatever you're facing, whatever's going on, it's this idea. And I'm not talking about the fluff positivity of like, hey, you just always got to keep it positive. I'm just saying maybe you're having some friction with your family. Maybe your family is ostracizing for whatever reason. You don't get along with a lot of the members. Maybe there's that one that you can celebrate that's in your corner. Maybe try to minister the gospel of hope and love at work and it seems like no one's listening. Maybe there's that one that is. Maybe your children are wayward and you're like, God, I'm praying every day for them to come and meet you and have a real radical encounter with you. And God, they don't, they don't seem to even care. Like, God, I, I did my best. I raised, I raised them in church. I served at church. I gave to church and they're just not responding. They're adults and you question their eternity. Maybe that one Sunday, they decided to come with you to church. Celebrate that bright spot. In life, each of us, there's many dark corners in life. I think we can agree with that ups and downs we've been in the season of ups and downs in all seriousness people thought paul failed when i read this scripture i say paul won he kept it about the one There's people who are are leaving this church or outside of this church, who are in our communities, who are in our schools, and we just kind of give up at times. We say, you know what, it's it's just, I'm tired. Like, God, this is a fallen and broken world, I'm tired. Celebrate the one life. Jesus speaks about these parables of the one, the one coin, the lost son. Speak. Speak preach, teach, celebrate the one, celebrate the bright spot. A man who celebrated the bright spot was Jerry Stern and he, he flipped this whole program of children in Vietnam. That's why we say, when we say, hey, push missions, I wanna encourage you, give to missions because lives are changed. And Jerry Sternin, he was tasked with flipping the malnourishment of children in Vietnam. In six months, he was given this task to do. And he does it by celebrating what was going right in life. His story is pretty incredible. I encourage you to look it up. But today, when we're talking about leading change in this time of this political environment where things are charged, I wanna encourage you, if you're trying to bring someone on your side, your viewpoint, whatever the case might be, it's not about you changing them, but it's about Christ bringing a new creation in their life you can become a true change agent in the lives of others the moment you speak freely about how God has changed you and that's what we as a church as followers of Jesus need to own and need to hone in on so this morning no matter where you're at no matter what you're going through here's our hope This is what we speak to you about is this, is that we come to an understanding that God through Jesus is the one that brings life change. That's why I encourage you, if you don't have a relationship with God through Jesus, I want to encourage you, fill out that communication card. I want to follow up with you personally. I want to say, hey, we want to walk alongside you. We want to be used by you. You have people in this church that want to be used by God to help you on your faith journey. Or maybe this week you're you're saying, hey, Pastor Blake, I have a relationship, but maybe it needs to be this. This week you talk to someone about how God changed you and forget about what you wish changed. How has God changed you? Are you living it out? Are you pulling the Apostle Paul? That's our hope. That's our prayer. So this morning I want to close in prayer. And our heart's for you. And I just want to encourage you, no matter where you're at, no matter what you face, we celebrate a God who has conquered death through his son, Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul spoke about it. We learned about it. Celebrate the bright spots. Celebrate the times to come. Let's pray. God, we give you this time. We say thank you. We worship you. We praise you. We know that we can just give it and leave it all for you. God, no matter what we are perplexed with, no matter what we are confused, no matter what comes our way, may we just celebrate what you've done for each and every one of us. For those of us who are in this room right now, who are struggling, who are going through some uh, serious times, don't maybe have a relationship with you. God, I pray that you move in their lives. I pray that you touch their hearts and their souls and that they take that step of faith and say, hey, I'm going to declare you the Lord of my life. I might not know what that means, but I want to step out. God, I pray right now that you help them put pen to paper and say, I want to fill out that communication card because I want to take that step. And God, for some of us who are maybe confused or going through some things when it comes to this How do I get people on my side approach in this environment, culture that we face right now? God, I'm praying right now that they focus on you, that they make it about you, that they celebrate you, and that they speak with others about how you change their life, because you bring the change, God. We celebrate you this morning in your great and holy name. All of us in this room said. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Sunday morning at 8, 15 and ten forty five a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next week for Sunday Morning. Faith Assembly Sunday Morning is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.